the best coaches in the game, <laughs> we really ain't playing. We regroup up in the Slack chat where the coaches debrief. We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie. Ain't no lie when we hit the block, helmets casket is top. You be seeing helmet after helmet, helmet after helmet. First place, second place, fifth place, eighth place, twelfth place, fifteen, sixteen, twenty. So many helmets, you got blur vision, we got too many. Hello and welcome to Taco's Fast 40 Podcast, presented to you by DFS Army. And we'll be looking at the New Hampshire Foxwoods Resorts Casino, 301. It's the only race this week, which is quite the change after uh, continually having weeks full of three, four, even five races in it. You know, for example, a couple weeks ago, you had the Bristol All-Star Race, and then like four races that weekend with a back-to-back. And we'll be getting back into that that madness of back-to-back races and stuff as we move forward in the schedule. I know we have a, an upcoming back-to-back in Dover. Uh, but for now, this week, pretty easy. Just this one cup race. No truck series, no Xfinity series. Uh, which is you know pretty nice with the, the comeback of NBA and MLB and all that. Uh, and, of course, you can get awesome coverage for all these new sports coming back. As the sports start to come back, uh, you can check out dfsarmy.com and use promo code TACO on sign up for that lifetime 20% off. Sponsors this pod, uh, cover all daily fantasy sports, everyone you can think of. Uh, we do a pretty good job of it. Uh, we've been dominating NASCAR so far through this break. Uh, if there's a big tournament on DraftKings, chances are we have one of our helmets at the top of it. That's just how we do around here, and we're looking to... Uh, have this race be no exception here. I know it's been a little bit crazier over the last few weeks. You know, we we're, were used to uh, going to the cookie cutter 1.5 mile tracks uh, with this new race package and generally having uh, green flag runs. You know, races had been kind of boring, but over the last few weeks, uh, we've had some absolute madness uh, from last week's midweek uh, craziness. It went down at Kansas to the insane events of Texas where half the dang field wrecked and RCR got to finish one too. Um, this will be a good change of pace. This will be our first race in this uh, 750 horsepower short track package that all the uh, the tracks a mile long and shorter and the, the road courses will be run on. Uh, last year we switched to uh, a reduced horsepower 550 horsepower uh, package for all the tracks above one mile in length, and that's really affected the, you know, the mile and a half tracks and stuff. But that's that's the package we've been running for the last, uh, gosh, I think if you don't count the Bristol All Star Race, the last seven, no, eight races have been this package. We haven't ran this since uh, Martinsville a few months ago. So uh, this will be, you know, it's been a little bit since we've had this race package and. Uh, the specific pack or package that we're switching to this year from last year, what makes it a little different, uh, it's more of a, a low downforce package. So when you're looking at historical results here, and this is a track that we go to twice a year, at least we had until 2018 uh, and 2019 where we went to it once. Of course, we're going to be looking at the data from about 2018 to 2016 or so. Uh, and that's because last year they had gone to... A high downforce package. I know they didn't change the horsepower in this package. They made that change with the one and a half mile uh, track some more. Uh, but here they did change to a high downforce package. It made the racing kind of wonky. Uh, you saw a bunch of people lead, like, you know, dominate entire races. Not very much passing for the lead. Uh, so this current race package, while not being exactly like uh, previous seasons is still a little different. It's much more like 2018, 2017 uh, than last year. Um, you can kind of ignore results from last year, but again, this is a track where um, a lot of similar skill set applies or skill sets apply. Uh, you know, a lot of the short and flat tracks, you're going to see kind of the same get, sort of guys have success uh, year in and year out. Um, so this has 301 laps. And it's more than your average one and a half mile track, uh, which usually has 267 laps. Of 
course, some of them like Atlanta, Texas, Darlington, and of course the uh, Coke 600, they have more laps in this. So this is really like middle of the field as far as the number of laps go, even though this is the fourth shortest track, or tied for the fourth shortest track on the circuit. So it's a really short race, really, really short race. You've got Phoenix also is a mile on track. That has 11 more laps. And then Dover has 99 more laps uh, in this race. So uh, it's going to be real quickie. Um, it's not like other short tracks uh, that are kind of similar where you're going to see guys putting up 200 bombs like you would see at Martinsville. It's not going to happen here. Um, as far as like pole sitters go... Um, usually how it works is pole sitters do much worse with the the less number of laps available on FanDuel and worse with the more laps, as we're on DraftKings. The more laps there are, uh, the better the pole sitter. For example, the best uh, track for pole sitters is Martinsville. And the worst one would be like Talladega, where there are barely any laps, or uh, Watkins Glen, the road courses like that. So that's, it depends on what site you're playing. Um, but looking back historically at the pole sitters, they've averaged uh, 54.7 lead laps with 33 fast laps. Actually, the second place starting position, and I'm sure this is just skewed by one or two you know, really big performances, but second place starting position actually averages almost 70 lead laps. Um, let me look into why that is real quick. Should be able to tell you. So, yeah, we've had Kevin Harvick lead 216 laps starting second. Kyle Busch uh, leading over 100 laps starting second twice. Martin Truex Jr., 141 lead laps starting second. Kurt Busch, 102 lead laps starting second. As uh, where we've seen Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr., both in 2017, uh, lead well over 100 laps starting on the pole. Uh, but... Other than that, uh, we've seen double-digit lead laps from, it looks like, uh, 10 out of 12 of the pole sitters, but only more than 100 lead laps from two of the pole sitters, as where, you know, we've seen plenty of guys starting second lead zero laps. We've also seen the five guys starting second leading over 100 laps. And, of course, that's just looking, I think it's looking a little bit too hard into something like that, but uh, it's not a track where, you know, the pole sitter obviously has a humongous advantage. But, um, you know, looking at fantasy scoring breakdown by starting position, usually the higher up you start, uh, the more average fantasy points you get. It's kind of linear, uh, scaling down. And the guys in the very back, they score really poorly. Uh, but people are still going to wrap up, rack up a decent amount of fantasy points uh, just from fast laps. So you kind of want to avoid guys that don't get fast laps. Uh, those are those are really good, obviously, for DraftKings. On FanDuel, of course, you can, you can skip that. I mean, it doesn't matter there. But, uh, yeah, so this, is, this track is, it ranks 6th. As far as uh, top 10 starting position fantasy points on DraftKings and 10th in that number on FanDuel. So, I mean, pretty good for the guys. It, it's still going to be more of a uh, track where place differential isn't as big as normal. Even though the number of laps is kind of average, uh, still, it's just kind of how this race uh, goes usually. Not too much place differential to be had compared to some other tracks. And, uh, yeah, if you're starting a guy in the front row, it's a 50-50 whether or not they're on the nuts. Um, that's usually how it works. And this is, again, this is going to be a, a, another week where the guy starting on the front row, uh, the second place guy, looks a little bit better than the first place guy. But we'll get into that as we go through the drivers here. Um, as far as track correlations go, the tracks that uh, correlate the highest to success with uh, New Hampshire, and this is one of the tracks where week-to-week, -week, or race-to-race -race correlation actually uh, rates out pretty well. Uh, you're going to see Pocono and last uh, last week's track, Kansas, rating really high. Um, actually, one of the highest, uh, yeah, one of the highest uh, track-on-track -track correlations of almost any 
track that there is. I think it's the third highest between two tracks. Uh, Pocono and Kansas, 94% driver rating correlation uh, of the drivers who have raced there in the same equipment year, year after year. And you've got Phoenix and Richmond after that. They all have something pretty much in common. Uh, not Kansas, but uh, Pocono, Phoenix, Richmond. Uh, very, very flat tracks. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, tracks where start uh, position matters. Track position matters a whole lot. Um, there's also another split that I have on the research station, which you can check out at dfsarmy.com, promo code TACO. Um, uh, short and flat tracks, so... Those tracks would be like Phoenix, it's going to be Martinsville, it's also flat and yeah, really flat with a really short distance, and uh, Richmond. Richmond's a really good track to use uh, here. I mean, Richmond's a little, very much more, um, very much more pole oriented. It's like the most, it's like the track that gives the most to the pole sitter. Oh, still, racing is pretty darn similar. Very similar in length. Of course, Phoenix, too. And Phoenix is a track that we have been to this year. So um, it would be a really good race to look at if only uh, it had been raced more recently. You know, Phoenix was one of the tracks we went to in the beginning of the season before uh, the extended break. Really, Martinsville is the only short and flat track that we've been to so far. Uh, and it's half the size of New Hampshire. So it's not like the best one to go off of, but of course there are some similarities. Uh, the biggest one being the package that it was driven at. And if you look back to that uh, that New Hampshire race, the the main dominators there, or not New Hampshire, sorry, Martinsville, uh, the main dominators that we had at that track were Joey Logano, who led a quarter, we had a quarter of all the fantasy points distributed and then Martin Trix Jr. with 18%, and Ryan Blaney with 10%, Jimmy Johnson with 8.5%. Um, Jimmy's a little bit interesting, and I'll get into that later, uh, but one one stat that I'd like to look at regarding New Hampshire uh, before I get into the field here is uh, there are actually two ways of looking at this. So if you go on the research station and look at driver rating gained versus similar drivers and DraftKings fantasy points gained, versus similar drivers. Uh, the driver rating gained one is people going into the track uh, with, it looks back historically at all the drivers that have a really similar season long driver rating uh, compared to the driver that's being analyzed. And it compares their driver rating that they get at New Hampshire compared to all of the other you know, guys that came within like five you know, their season long driver average. It's a good way of showing who is good at a certain track just straight up, as where the fantasy points gained one. Uh, doesn't it, it doesn't only go off of driver rating, it also goes off of starting position as well. So if you're starting within a few spots of where they are. Uh, so it compares them to guys who are similar in that regard. Of course, you're going to have Matt Kenseth rating out number one. Uh, looking at New Hampshire long term here. Uh, of course, Kenseth has destroyed New Hampshire historically uh, when... He ended his career with JGR. He had he was on like a long streak of uh, consecutive top fives there. So that's no surprise to see him number one by far. Uh, then you've got Kyle Busch, who has always been known to be much better at short tracks, especially short and flat tracks. Those two stick out uh, by far the most in driver rating gained. And then you've got Brad Keselowski, Eric Almarola, our pole sitter, Martin Truex Jr., and Denny Hamlin up there. Uh, and then Eric Jones. So you see... Uh, one, two, three, four JGR cars, and this has been a, a spot historically to take JGR. Uh, so that's going to be a theme going in. And you look at dry, a DraftKings fantasy points gained. Kyle Busch number one, Matt Kenseth number two by a long shot. Uh, and then you've got Eric Jones, Martin Truex Jr. So already one, two, three, four JGR because Kenseth drove for JGR uh, during most of his years that we're looking at long term here. And the only one that's a bit far off is Hamlin, who still has eight fantasy points gained, ranks about ninth in the field uh, long term. And just going back to the driver rating gained, uh, looking at just short term. You know, recently, of course, going to have Harvick up there, the back-to-back -back defending champ. 
Uh, and then Ryan Newman, Eric Almirola, Matt Kenseth, and Denny Hamlin. Uh, so, yeah, those are some interesting names to come up. Just keep that in mind. It's a good way to check real quick who's good at the track. It's one of my favorite ways to do it. Um, of course, that you can look at any stat based off of uh, the track history or whatever. Just get on that research station, dfsarmy.com, promo code TACO. Uh, but yeah, let's get into the field here real quick, and we'll do our Fast 40. So I'm going to be going down the field, just giving quick thoughts on each one. And uh, I'll just try not to get too long-winded with it, you know? It's supposed to be a Fast 40. Uh, but usually, the last around 40 minutes <laughs> overall, because I try to be fast. Uh, it never works out that way, but uh, let's go for it this week. Let's. I'm going to be quick and concise and just you know spit out that information. So Kevin Harvick, back-to-back uh, -back defending champion here, also won the fall race in 2016. Um, not too much to be said about him. Starting 7th, by far the most expensive driver on DraftKings, $11,600, $14,200 on FanDuel. Um, you know, one of the top dominator options, obviously. Uh, really worth it if you can pay for it. This season, he's been uh, incredible, honestly. Uh you know, he had trouble. He he didn't look that great at Martinsville, at Bristol, finishing out the outside of the top ten in both of those. Uh, but if you go back to the Phoenix race, well, I mean, it's Phoenix. It's Harvick. It's Harvick at Phoenix. <laughs> so I think him. He came right behind Chase Elliott as uh, the dominator there, second dominator right behind Chase Elliott that Phoenix race. Uh, but of course, that's the track where historically he is crushed. But um, this track is really starting to look like another track like that for him. So obviously he's going to be one of the top targets this week. Um, you don't have to think about him all too much. He He's super good. He's got an incredibly good pit crew that gains him a lot of positions. Usually once he gets a lead, he stays there until there's a caution. He just checks out and that's it. Uh, but he can be slowed down sometimes when he's caught in traffic. Uh, but he usually does find a way... To get up there and recently in races we've seen him even when he misses his setup to start the race he will he's been very good at adjusting his car and getting it to be fast by stage three so he's an obvious pick uh but it's just going to be hard to afford this week without uh taking uh some real value plays just because of his price then you've got ryan blaney at eleven thousand one hundred, extremely expensive price for him uh he has had terrible luck this year as far as um you know finishing races he's he's gotten to a lot of trouble um one of the worst in this field i think he's third worst in this field in percentages of races where he's finished at least 25 percent of the race uh that that's kind of been his season and he's definitely been running a lot better than his finishes are now his finishes at these tracks the short tracks, very, very good. Second at Martinsville. Uh, wrecked at Bristol. Back in Phoenix, he also wrecked in that. So, But at the, in that Bristol race especially, and I'm pretty sure in Phoenix. Let me double check that. But No, okay, so he didn't dominate in Phoenix. He must have had a really early issue or something. I can't remember. It was so many months ago. It was like in like, I don't know, February or March or something. But... Um, yeah, so he ran extremely well at Bristol. It was like the second year in a row that he had been taking out while leading the race. Uh, but yeah, at Martinsville, he did really well. And really throughout this whole season, especially at the mile-and-a-half tracks, uh, he's been running really hot. He just has bad luck, and that kind of just ends his night usually. But um, he's third in driver rating at short tracks. Uh, this package this season uh, even higher than Kevin Harvick. He's starting back in 12th, so that's some decent place differential. Uh, makes him a little safe, but you've got to pay a pretty penny for him. He's much cheaper on FanDuel. A FanDuel is only 11600 which, you know, with the with Harvick being 14k over there, it shows how much cheaper he is comparatively, or relatively. Uh, so Blaney is a pretty good play. He's his results are not as good as they should be. He should, you know, he should not be a ten to one. I think, I think he might be more interesting on the DK sportsbook betting him ten to one, 
or whatever his top three odds are, they're probably pretty good compared to most of his peers. That might be where I like him more. His price tag is just really high, but I could see him dominating, and maybe his price tag keeps him on the lower side of ownership, although he's been very, very popular recently. Uh, and then you've got Martin Truex Jr., $10,700, starting 11th. Love this play. Five straight top seven finishes here. Uh, lots of domination, lots of lead laps. Um, at New Hampshire, historically, he averages 51 lead laps. Very good. Um, yeah, there's n not too much to say about him either. I think it's kind of obvious that he's a strong play and you should get him uh, in as many of your lineups as you can. At short tracks, in this package, since they've changed to this package uh, last year, of course, you know, factoring in last year's data might not be the best move, but still. Um, no one's gotten more than two wins. Truex has five wins. He's been extremely good at short tracks uh, since, since making the move from Furniture Row to JGR, honestly. Um, yeah, he's just been, you know, that was, a, that was a struggle with him, honestly, earlier in his career. And now th this is a strength for him. Um, I think Cole Pern said it himself the best that Truex, the smaller track is for Truex, unless it's a road course, which he does well on. Um, the smaller track, the better. He tends to struggle at like the Poconos and the Indies of the world, the larger tracks, the super speedways, and he does really well uh, when there's tight racing. And you know, it being a flat track, I think is even better for him because flatter tracks tend to prefer the inside groove. Truex loves the inside groove. Um, so yeah, I like Truex a lot here. Really strong play. They've got Hamlin starting second. Uh, for some added context, I've got to skip a bit in this list and go to Almirola starting on the pole, or at least let you know that he's on the pole. Almirola, uh, pretty much since the last race in this package, he's been like a top five machine and running really strong at the one and a half mile tracks. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes with this track, but he, you know, like I said in the list earlier, I think he was one of the top five in uh, driver rating gained. He's really good at flat tracks specifically. Um, so I think he has a strong chance to dominate a bit, but for Hamlin, he would be the second choice right there. He's got Chase Elliott right behind him, and for some reason, Hamlin and Elliott run together all the time. Every time I try to check out Chase, Hamlin's right there. I don't know why that is, but it is. Uh, so Hamlin, he's got a good chance. Um, very good at this track, extremely good. This is one of his favorite tracks. Of course, not, not much success so far this year at this track type, but overall it's been a good year for him. He's been the best JGR car. This is a track that JGR has been good at historically, so I do expect him to be one of the top options. And he, uh, the, the sportsbook have him clearly as a second favorite, coming in right behind Harvick. And after him, there's a big gap to Kyle Busch who uh, I think that line is bad for him because he's, he's obviously just been not so good this season. Of course, it's Kyle Busch at this track type, but still Hamlin. Him and Harvick have been probably the only two elite drivers this season. You know, He's got the, what, four wins now on the season. Very good, very good uh, crew chief. Gabe Hart has been absolutely awesome, probably the top crew chief this season. Um well, speaking of uh, crew chiefs, actually, I did forget to mention Kevin Harvick, uh, his crew chief, Rodney Childers. Very good at getting wins here. In fact, back in 2013, he got a win with, uh, I think it was Brian Vickers here. So that's, uh, that's interesting to know. It's very, very smart. I, li I like good crew chiefs here, these types of races. And Hamlin has one for sure. Uh, Christopher Bell, he's back to being <laughs> one, one wreck, and he's back to doing what he was doing for so long start the season he's for for as good as Almirola is at at the random draw Bell is like the worst because he's always in that last bracket and he always gets put like in the back of that back that last bracket which gives him this crazy price tag of ten thousand one hundred dollars uh 35 35th starting position I think the play for him like I've said every time when it's been like this play him in cash fade him in GPP maybe play him a little in GPP I've said the last few times we've been at tracks like this, short, flat, and hot tracks. In Xfinity, that was his jam. So good at them. Uh, this is a good track for JGR historically, and I know he's not with JGR, but Levi, Levi and Family Racing is their developmental team. 
Uh, so I like Bell in this situation a lot more than almost any other week he's been in this situation, but still just overpriced. Dominator points are going to get you more points than place differential here. So, you know, he would have to get like a top 10, which he's perfectly capable of, but he would absolutely need to to give back any value. And he's not going to outvalue someone like Hamlin, Logano, Truex, Blaney if they dominate. If they dominate, there's no chance. So in cash, I love him. He's safe. His floor is super high, even though he does like to crash a bit. Uh, but still, it's probably just safer to take him in cash, fade him in GPP. Joey Logano, starting in ninth. Kind of a... I haven't really thought too much about this play too much. It seems you know, he's not projecting out very well. Um, starting in ninth, he has not finished better than that in his last five races here. Uh, he did run well here in like 2014, 2015. He was like a top four machine, won at the 2014 spring race. Uh, but recently the results have not really been there. Um, they, they really haven't been there overall this year. He's done well at the short tracks. Uh, but recently his team has seemed like it's been a step behind. And that kind of shows in the odds books as well. He is the, outside of Bell of course, he has the worst odds of anybody above 9K. Uh, so it's kind of easy for him to get lost on the wayside, but he can dominate, and he's going to come in with some lower ownership. Uh, for $300 cheaper, Brad Keselowski, his teammate, he looked really good last week. Uh, he's honestly had a really strong season. He has two wins at short tracks in this package, which would put him second behind Truex there. Um, leads a lot of laps. You know, he's led, he led a fuck ton of laps at Martinsville. Um, and I think at Phoenix too. Yeah, Phoenix he also led. He's the third uh, biggest dominator there. Uh, so, yeah, he's just been really strong this season. I think the crew chief carousel has done has uh, done some good for the Penske team overall. Obviously, Blaney's looking way better. Uh, Keselowski also, I thought that losing Paul Wolf would uh, be a negative for him, but he seems to be doing pretty well so far. Um, Kyle Busch at $9,300. Uh, you know, if you if you told me a year ago or something, you'd get Kyle Busch at $9,300. Starting top five at a short flat track, then I would have thought, man, did he break his legs again? And was he forced to drive on broken legs? Because that's the only way he'd get this price tag. Uh, but having results like he's had so far this season is a great way to get a horribly reduced price tag. Now he has actually led some laps at short tracks and put up some fast tracks like this has been the one good spot so i think it's a good time to play kyle bush i really do he's really cheap um he's a top two machine here at this track historically um you know the the main the main thing this year is that at one and a half mile tracks he has just been terrible god awful has not led anything um, he said his, he said basically himself, though, that usually week to week he's a 5th to 10th place car. And he's just very overt about that, and boy has he been correct. Now, over the last couple of weeks, he's kind of gotten it together a little bit. And maybe with this switch to this package, um, he can finally dominate a race, which is something that he has just not done so far this year. Uh, this is the perfect time to uh, test him out. You know, His ownership had gone from overwhelming to... Uh, basically non-existent as people are realizing that um, maybe he's not washed, but he kind of reminds you almost of Jamie Johnson where you win that championship after a struggling season and then just after that you're not really the same person anymore. Um, I think that he's probably been the person, at least of the studs, that has struggled the most uh, with the no practices. Uh, but I think, you know, this is the kind of track where you would actually want to take him. I've been completely off him recently. Uh, this would be a spot where I'd be okay with taking him a bit, but I'm still not terribly optimistic about it. Uh, the play that I love this week is Chase Elliott, $9,100. Ridiculous price, in my opinion. Just awful pricing. Um, he's had really bad luck, for sure. I think he's last in this field in percentage of short track races, where he's finished 10% of the race. So he's had a lot of big troubles, but... Uh, he's averaging 42 lead laps per short track race this season. Um, pretty strong numbers across the board. Doesn't even matter the track type, honestly, anymore. He's doing well at every track type. $9,100. It's such a weird price drop. 
starting third, so he has a direct access to uh, lead laps from the get-go. You know, sometimes he likes to just kind of hang there and not really show up till the later end. Uh, but I could see him almost immediately fighting for the lead here. Absolutely. Uh, so this is a very, very, very good week to take Chase Elliott. Very good this uh, track type overall. $9,100. That's a crazy pricing for me. And after him, there is a humongous drop-off. Humongous drop-off in talent. So might as well get the cheapest stud. Like, Elliott and, Elliot and above, those are the studs. It's very clear. The only one you could even argue for underneath him is probably Eric Almarola just because he's on the pole and just because of how hot he's been running. Uh, so going to Eric Jones, $8,900. I do like him at this track, but his price is so crazy now after being severely underpriced for so long. Uh, they kind of overcompensated with his price, and now he's being priced up in the upper 9K range a lot, or the, the lower 9K, upper 8K range, and that's where he's at this week. So he's overpriced. Um, you're not gonna, his ownership is not going to be anything crazy now. Maybe that's the reason you play him. And again, it's a JGR car. Uh, the 20 car here has crushed. Uh, he wrecked in his uh, 2017 spring race debut, but then finished 6th in the 2017 fall race. 16th in the 2018 race, but 3rd last year in this race. Before then, uh, it was the machine that Kenseth absolutely crushed in. Like, he destroyed this track in the 20 car. Uh, so... Yeah, it's a it's a good spot to take him. Usually, like if he was this overpriced every week, this would be one of the best weeks to take him at. But um, I don't know. He's kind of annoying to play overall. I think a lot of people get that sense because he's he's still very he's still very young, makes a lot of mistakes. Um, he's very aggressive, so kind of just a GPP play there. Jimmy Johnson, I mentioned earlier, he's interesting because this uh, track type this. Uh, specifically this track and this uh, type of race has been really good for him, especially this year. Uh, but $8,700, this is like the millionth race in a row. He's starting 20th, so he has some place differential upside. And his pricing is kind of settled around this range. He's okay. I could see him getting to the top 10. I think he's a good play just because his luck has been god-awful. But his... Um, if he somehow avoids bad luck, which seems impossible for him currently, honestly, he just seems like a cursed driver. But if he does avoid bad luck, I could see him posting a top five, no problem. Honestly, uh, he could be a really sneaky play that way. I love, I like him a lot more in FanDuel. I think he's better priced there too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then back to Almer Eric Almarola, eight thousand five hundred dollars. That's a good price for him. I think he's priced really fairly this week. Uh, his pricing had been kind of, like, he started off too cheap, and then he had been too expensive. He's gotten the pull a lot. Like, they, they're just doing alphabetical order or something, I swear, because he is constantly getting these pulls, and he's actually been doing okay with them. Um, getting a lot more done with his uh, pull status than I would have expected. Uh, dominating at Kentucky, dominating at Pocono, dominating at Texas. Uh, so... He's actually been running really strong. Uh, we've seen significant improvement from that 10 team. And he's really good out in clean air. So he has a he has a good chance to at least take that initial chunk of Dominator points. And I think one of the races, I think it was Kentucky maybe. It was, I don't know. Um, one of them he had the pole and then he like had a mechanical problem. I think I've seen that a couple times. But he still ended up being really strong so he's just been kind of riding hot of course this is a package change here so um but yeah still i like almarola at the flatter tracks uh, it's just something i have you know that's been an eyeball thing for me but his numbers also kind of back that up he's done well at flat tracks average running position of like 12th that's pretty good uh yeah and he could just get those initial lead laps and if he's gonna th this would be a good litmus test to see if his speed can keep up as they go into these different race packages and whatnot. Uh, if he does well here and he stays fast, then I'm going to like him going into like the road course races in Dover. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto, $8,300. He had always been god-awful at this track until last year. So his best finish in like eight races or seven races before last year was 28th. He was awful, but then he came fifth here last year. 
in you know the high downforce package, but still, uh, it's been hard to use Matt's previous finishes this year. He's kind of he has not been he's been like the anti Ty Dillon, where his track history really hasn't meant crap because he's been on so many different teams, and of course most of his finishes you can just scrap because he was on really awful teams like Go Fast. Um, in full on you know, Wood Bros equipment that we saw Paul Menard in and Ryan Blaney in, Trevor Bain in. Uh, he's actually done really well. He's overperformed in some spots. Uh, he had kind of a rougher start to the season than he was expecting. He was expecting to improve a lot more than he did, but over the last few weeks, he's kind of... Uh, he, he's been changing uh, how he's been approaching this year. Uh, just trying to get the car more personalized for him, and that's been working out for him this year. Uh, but still kind of a disappointing season for him. But uh, he can run top five, especially top ten. It's just kind of not really out of nowhere. But that's that's something that he can do. He's not just limited to certain tracks where he can do that at. Uh, so I think he's priced pretty fairly. Maybe he's a little more expensive than he needs to be. But starting 19th, it's a good place differential. I know DraftKings has been pricing based on place differential very heavily. That's why Jamie Johnson's so expensive. That's why Bell is so expensive. So he's an okay play. Uh, not someone I would fade at all. Alex Bowman at $8,100. Uh, it's seeming more and more like he just had one hot stretch uh, at the beginning of the uh, return from COVID break. And since then, he has been an enigma, someone that you can just just delete every single week, not play a single share of him, and you're fine. Uh, and this week seems like no exception. Not his track type. Uh, starting 8th, so it's not like there's place differential or anything. Really not a threat to dominate. The price continues to be cheap, but honestly he's well-priced at this point. Um, not too much to say about him. He's going to be low-owned, but I don't really care because I think he just lack, lacks upside. And if he does randomly dominate, then I mean, I'm not going to be mad about that. Like, he's, he's shown no reason for us to play him, honestly. Uh, and you've got his teammate, William Byron, at $7,900. Uh, he's finished 14th and 12th here in his first two seasons of racing. Still a real young guy. Um, someone who's finished maybe a little bit better than he's ran at these short races, the few that we've had so far. But yeah, the thing with Byron is he's going to be improving. Last year, he was the most improved driver uh, in his sophomore year. Made some huge strides. And a lot of those are on behalf of getting Chad Knauss from Jimmy Johnson as his crew chief. That's been a huge thing for him. He's been doing well at some tracks that Jimmy was good at historically. Uh, so I like Byron at 7,900. Starting 16th, he's all right. Uh, not like, he's not a play I'm crazy about. He has been a bit cursed this season like most of the other Hendrick drivers. He... You know, we we don't really know too much about his of his speed because a lot of the times he is uh, wrecking out or getting wrecked into by his own teammates. So, you know, it's it's hard to really get too good of a. It, you don't see him running top like five, top ten too often. A lot of the time, it's because of like this bad luck. But also, I don't know. He's he can be mediocre sometimes. So he's he's a good play. Not one I like to have too much of, but he's still pretty decent. Uh, Kurt Busch, pretty much the same analysis there. Not a bad play. His price is so cheap uh, that he's worth a look at. Uh, he's really, really, really good at pulling top tens out of his ass after not really running all that well. Um, hasn't like shown dominating speed too much, but he has dominated here in the past. Uh, in the last several years, he's actually put up a lot of lead in fast laps, even though his finishes have not uh, come as a result of that. You know, he averages, over the last three races at New Hampshire, I think the last four, he's averaging 41 lead laps, averaging 16 lead laps overall. Uh, and that's pretty good, honestly. Um, at $7,700, usually him starting 10th is one of those that you can uncheck and not really worry too much about because he's not... He's, it's not likely he's going to dominate the race too much, but he can. And the price is so cheap that he's worth just getting some exposure to. Uh, it's not like the lack of place differential is too huge for him. This is a track where guys just starting up in the front can do pretty well. Uh, just retaining track position. And you know he's good at uh, coming up with decent finishes. Probably a very good fan duel play. 
Uh, one of the first plays that I liked a whole lot this week, and this is someone I've been extremely hesitant about recommending so far this season, and that is Matt Kenseth. Uh, his, now, he's not been someone who's absolutely crushed at tracks he has good course or good track history at outside of maybe Indianapolis where he looked really good, but uh, he, that was his only top 10 finish of the year besides his... Uh, your first, uh, his first start back from uh, replacing Larson, coming tenth. Other than that, he's you know he's struggled definitely. Uh, he, again, he was out of a race car all of last season. In 2018, he was brought on like halfway through the season to take some races from Trevor Bain, who is being phased out. So the thing with him is that you know when we last saw him. When he was, you know, winning races in 2015, 2016, or even coming top five or top three, in like 2017, you know, that's basically when he stopped driving, and really top tier equipment, at this uh, in this package, right? So, he he's not used to last year's stuff at all. He didn't race at all last year in the high downforce package, so I kind of like that for him. Also. At these shorter and flatter tracks, I think a lot of driver skill comes out. And sure, some of it has deteriorated for sure for uh, from Kenseth, but he's been awesome at keeping his nose down, keeping his car clean, and posting good finishes. He's starting outside the top 20 and 21st uh, at $7,600, which is still you know kind of expensive for the results he's been putting up. But he has been really overpriced. Uh, for most of the season. So this is a prime spot to take him, I think. Uh, his driver skill, especially you know his obvious acumen at this course, which caused him to win repeatedly and just almost always be a top-five car in the past. Uh, you know, With better equipment, of course, with JGR and Roush back then, but um, still, CGR equipment's nothing to scoff at. You know, Larson's got a good car. Um well, it's his car now, ultimately. He's kind of changed it up to be his own, but still, all he needs is a top 15 finish, and he's going to return uh, pretty good value, start pushing past 40 uh, fantasy points, which should be good for him. And he's been getting some fast laps this season, and I think that's definitely something he can do here this week. So I like Kenseth a lot. Reddick, of course, is someone I've been absolutely huge on. He is my uh, highest-owned driver the last two weeks. This week, not so much. He's starting 13th. I like him at steeper tracks. Uh, this is a flatter track, and the starting position. Uh, look, I could see, I see it being a top fifteen car. He's really, really good. I think he deserves to be in the eight Ks almost every week. So I still think it's going to take him in some spots. But starting thirteenth, I don't think he has the dominator upside. He can get fast laps. He's proven that he's good at getting fast laps. So I don't think he has the lead lap potential. Uh, that he would probably need starting 13th to overcome guys like his teammate Dylan starting in 23rd or Kenseth starting in 21st. Those free place differential points are going to be uh, big, and I don't think his potential fast lap points can really overcome that. Uh, I think he's probably going to finish like 10th to 15th. Uh, Dylan starting 23rd, Austin Dylan, 10th and 15th. That's his jam. He loves to come just barely inside the top 15. Uh, not something he's done at this track really recently. He's had some struggles here over the last like five races, um, finishing between like 15th and 20th usually. I think he wrecked here last year, uh, but it's an okay enough track for him. He's starting 23rd, so the place differential is all right. Uh, oddly enough, I kind of like him more in cash than GPP, which is it feels really weird to say about Dylan, because usually, usually he's more of a a wreck threat than he has been but honestly he's been a pretty darn safe driver recently so I might look to him more in cash games than GPP honestly uh, and then you've got Clint Boyer $7,200 really really cheap for Clint Boyer you got his teammates as some of the most coveted guys with Al Marola on the pole and Harvick starting 7th um, he could potentially be on the way out here but uh, if you're going to take Boyer the best place to take Boyer is at short and flat tracks that is just what you do with Clint Boyer. Uh, he has an average, on average, an 87 driver rating, but 93 at short and flat tracks. Uh, it's the track type that he improves the most on. 
Starting sixth, that's why his price is so low. Hard to justify it starting sixth. It really is. I don't really see him leading laps here either. This is not a place where he's led a whole lot of laps at historically either. Uh, so he's definitely going to be more of a fade, but if it was any other track type, he would be like a complete fade. Here, there's that chance. There's that small chance. And uh, at short tracks, over the last two years, uh, he's finished top 10 70% of the time. Uh, so keep that in mind. I don't think he's going to do... I don't think he's going to dominate. I think there's almost no chance, but... If he holds on for a top 10 finish, he could maybe squeak out some sort of value. But even then, that's still going backwards. He would have to have, find like some fast laps or something. And it's hard to play him when, for $200 cheaper, you can play John Hunter Nemechek at $7,000 starting 36th. That is, we have not gotten him at such a cheap price uh, at all. Or not the cheap, this is not a cheap price for him. I, I'm at a low starting position. Very low starting position for John Hunter. Uh, he had been starting like 20th or so a lot of the time, and his ownership has been kind of non-existent. But now he's got put in that, that lowest bracket. Uh, so he's he's proven that he can get some top 20 finishes this year. Uh, honestly, yeah, over the last four races, he's finished 22nd or better in four of them. So really, he's, he's coming top 25 more often than he's not, and he's showing that he has top 15, even top 10 potential. And as long as you're finishing top 20, starting 36th, I think you're going to be pretty good. He is, he, I think he has the highest floor of anybody on of all the value guys. He easily has the, the highest floor because of his 36th place starting position. He's starting behind guys like Brennan Poole, J.J. Yaley, Joey Gaze, Garrett Smithley, Quinn Half, James Davison, uh, even guys like Ty Dillon, uh, that I expect him to get past eventually. Um, yeah, he's a really solid play there, starting 36. His teammate McDowell's done so well. Uh, he's just good at keeping his head down. Uh, average running position at these short tracks this year, 19th. So very strong play. Core play for me, John Hunter-Nemechek, starting 36th. Then you've got, you know, if that's like the angelic play, this is the demonic place differential play, and that is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. As most of you may know him as Ricky, because that man wrecks a lot. Obviously a GPP play, but starting 31st, this is new. We have not really had him starting this low this season. Uh, he has been cursed here a little over the last two years, some wrecks, and you know it's kind of brought on some by himself. But he does have, you know, before his two wrecks over the last two years. Uh, he had four top 15 finishes out of his last five. Five top 17 finishes out of his last six. And shoot, if you throw Rex out the window, he has six top 15 finishes in his last 17 races here. Or sorry, top 17, but still. You get what I'm trying to say there. He's actually done pretty well here. I uh, he did well at Martinsville, which is shocking because that's like his worst track. But it's this track type. Average running position, average finish of 21.5 at this track type so far this season. That's uh, really interesting for Stenhouse. His ownership is always too low. He should have really high ownership this week, starting 31st for only $6,800. Uh, that should be, you know, he should be one of the highest uh, owned plays. I think he will be one of the higher owned plays, but I think his ownership will be lower than it really ought to be. Uh, because of that stigma around him, like, you know, uh, even people who like to run optimizers and barely make any changes, they're probably get, they'll probably run it and then see that there's a lot of Stenhouse and go, oh, I need to limit him because, I mean, unless you got huge nuts, you, frankly, you kind of do because he's such an aggressive driver. Like, trouble is more likely to hit to him than other drivers. He's one of the few drivers I feel very comfortable saying that about. Um, I'm more inclined to just take him this week and roll the dice. I've been doing that a lot with him, and he's been hurting me a lot <laughs> as a result of that. He's not been good chalk this year. He's been awful chalk. Whenever he's been even remotely chalky, he has crashed. But again, that remains in people's heads. So I'm seeing the upside of all the top 15 finishes, and I'm going to just go back and uh, take him again. Now, I'm a sucker for that. Um, if you avoided him, I honestly would not fault you. Um, and it's gonna be hard to it's gonna be hard to take him in cash. Starting thirty first on paper, he's supposed to be a cash game play, but I don't think 
many people will take him when there's Nemechek right there. Uh, Cole Custer, he's starting 14th. That should be all I really have to say there. I know he has uh, the he has the win at what was it Pocono or no Kentucky, and it's not like it was a completely undeserved win. I mean, it did really well. So not a full fade. Probably someone I'll just grab five percent of and move along my way. Uh, it's just I have a hard time taking him over the much better plays all around him, uh, just like everyone else is going to think. But if you need a low owned contrarian play like super contrarian player for like a single entry GPP or something, uh, that'd probably be a really strong consideration because, you know, the other Stuart Hoskars looking pretty hot. Uh, Ryan Newman, he's he's going to be one of the highest owned players on the board, I'd imagine. Finished seventh here last year, sixth the year before that. Now a constant figure in the top 10 here, starting 22nd for $6,600. So cheap, incredibly cheap. Uh, Typically a top 15 car. His top 15 rate at short tracks, 69%. That is nice as heck. Newman makes a lot of sense to play Newman. Uh, you know, has taken a slight step back since his return from that injury, but even still, typically a 15th to 13th place car. Very tight range of outcomes. Like, very, very consistent when he's not, like, getting, you know, barreled into or whatever. That's usually what you can expect out of him. He comes 15th. That's, like, 37 fantasy points, plus whatever he gets with some fast laps or, you know, he likes to randomly find the lead every now and again through pit strategy. Um, yeah, this that might be another thing to think about as we move more towards the playoffs. Some guys are going to stay out and take a worse finish to get some stage points. Uh and that could, you know, some guys could take a an alternate pit strategy. I think Newman's more on that take an alternate pit strategy kind of a guy rather than someone that's just going to slave for playoff points. I think he's going to look more for a random win, top five. I could see that from him uh, more than I would see him just like slaving for stage points, like someone like a like a Clint Boyer or an Almirola might do. Um. Moving along, we've got Bubba Wallace starting 15th. Not a very hot play. Um, has some rumblings about him potentially going to the 42 next year, replacing Larson. Um, I don't think that's very merit-based. He's not looked very good so far this season, I guess. I mean, I guess considering the equipment he's in. He's had some good finishes, but I think his finishes have not been a good reflection on how he's ran. So he's got a lot of top 15s recently. Not really top 10s, but top 15s. Um, if you look at his average running position, very rarely does he actually run in the top 15. He likes to run like 15th to 20th. Starting 15th, you know, finishes here of 22nd, 24th historically. Um, you can see it right here. His average finish at short tracks this year is 13th, but his average running position is 17th. Um, yeah, I don't think he's someone I'll play very much at all. I don't think a lot of people will play him. Uh, if you're going to play a guy that's starting too high, that $6,300, might as well play Michael McDowell. Um, not really a good play just on paper. He really hasn't been. Uh, but he has just been running out of his damn mind recently. And like he's been a top 15 machine ever since like Bristol. He's and a lot of it has been merit based. Like he has run really hot. Like he's almost always finishing in the top twenty. Uh, so if you're gonna take a contrarian play like that, it might take McDowell the one week. His ownership might actually be somewhat reduced. Well, I'm still not huge at it. This is not a track where he likes to finish top twenty five at. But uh, this year he really has taken a step up with front row going from a three car team to a two car team. Um, You've got Corey LaJoy starting 33rd. Real safe play. Should finish like 25th. Should get you 25 plus fantasy points pretty easily. Um, maybe more of a cash game play. Uh, but I could also see him sneaking into the top 20. It's not outside of his range of outcomes. His average finish at this track type is 14.7. Probably boosted by... Uh, let's see what finish that was. I'm pretty sure... Yeah, actually, you know, it's just uh, just run pretty decently at these tracks. 18th at Martinsville. 
that's pretty good. Um, yeah, starting 33rd, if he has a like a 20th or so, then that'd be really solid for him. Let's see, 20th would get him 37 fantasy points. Yeah, so he, he needs to come like top 22, top 23. He finished 23rd here last year, so I could see that happening. Uh, just very, very cheap. One of the few really safe, cheap guys. Yeah, Chris Busher starting 24th, $6,100. Uh, last three races here, he's finished 15th, 20th, 21st. Um, so yeah, if, if you chalk him up for about a 20th, 19th place finish, which is pretty reasonable expectation here, uh, then uh, he'll finish with 30 fantasy points, which is all right. Uh, it's not my favorite track type to take Busher at. I like Busher a lot, but uh, maybe not at this track type. Daniel Suarez. Now this is this is an interesting one. Daniel Suarez has quietly not only been finishing better, but he's actually been like really consistently finishing races. His season has not had as much variance as I would expect it to have, uh, given his situation. He's pretty consistently finishing like twenty sixth or so, around that range. Um, and recently, he's been posting some top twenties. Had Came 18th at Kansas, 20th at Indianapolis, uh, 20th at Bristol. At Martinsville, he came 27th, which is about what you could expect from him. But like a 25th place visit, uh, finish, 26th place finish, that seems like a pretty reasonable expectation for him, uh, just given how he's been driving. And starting 37th, that'll get you 30 fantasy points. Uh, at $5,900, he's probably one of the cheapest plays you can actually feel okay about. Maybe even more of a, dare I say it, like a cash game play. Uh, but, you know, if he sneaks up some positions even, could end up being really sneaky solid. And no one's going to play him still because people really don't like to roster him. But this is looking like one of the better spots to actually take him, as odd as it sounds. Uh, then you've got Ty Dillon. Starting 25th, again, a guy who's super, super beholden to track history here. And he has good track history here. Uh, his worst finish, 23rd. Finished 16th here twice, including last year. Starting 25th, so you expect him to move up, at, you know, like four or five spots or so. And, you know, his range of outcomes might just be a little bit lower than Suarez is actually as far as fantasy points go. He has a much tighter range of outcomes. Uh, but usually he's going to come in scoring about 25 to 30 fantasy points, more towards the 25 than the 30. So cheap price for him at $5,700, someone I do like to take. Probably going to take him more in cash than uh, GPP, and honestly, I think the pivot to him might be Suarez, oddly enough. Uh, and then you've got Ryan Priest starting 30th, who is actually cursed, like super cursed. Um, if you just want to say, screw that, Screw his four wrecks in a row. He's actually a really good play. Almost always a top 25 car. Uh, has a lot of top 20s this season as well. Finished 21st here last year in this equipment. Um, his route to 30 fantasy points, which he may not even need because he's like the cheapest driver that you can at, like play reasonably. Uh, he just needs to come 22nd. That's what he needs to do to get 30 fantasy points. And honestly, 23rd or 24th gets you like 28 points or so. Just if his price allows you to just afford the right top dominator studs, he could also be solid. Um, so yes, he's G probably GPP only in cash. I might, I'd probably rather take uh, Ty Dillon or Suarez there. Uh, Priest, you know, it's kind of a gambler's fallacy to think that he's you know immune from crashing because he's wrecked four times in a row. But at the same time, um, a lot of his wrecks are not his fault. He's been barreled into a lot. I, I like to just ignore that crap. I, I don't even let it affect, you know. Like, if he does crash again, I'm not going to think it's because of the last four weeks of him getting ran into. That has no bearing on his performance, I think. So I think it's due for some massive regression here. Uh, so I like him. Cheapest play you can play at 5,600. The rest of the guys, Timmy Hill starting 38th, maybe maybe he looked he actually looked pretty decent at Bristol finishing 19th but no nah, most of the time he's not a top 30 car at all so he's gonna start 38th and finish like even if he finishes 30th say he gets 22 points that's not gonna be good enough I really don't think he 
he outvalues the guys more expensive than him, like the Priest, Ty Dillon, Suarez, Bushers, LaJoy's. I really doubt it. And then Yaley, who DraftKings has hilariously mispriced on their sports book. Uh, I think it's still up where if you bet them top f- top 10, you get more money back than if you bet them top 5. <laughs> so he's bugged there. Uh, he, he has the best car of all his studs usually, but he's starting 29th, so no. Pool starting 34th. Maybe if you're playing like a million lineups, just want to be different, but no. And then the rest of the guys are completely laughable. Gay starting 28th. Smithley starting 27th. Davidson starting 26th. Huff starting 32nd. These guys are just the reasons why I like Corey LaJoy and Suarez, Nemechek uh, this week, even Stenhouse, because those are just free positions for those guys to pass. Uh, and yeah, that's this entire slate done. Got in right at an hour, so not the fastest of 40s. Not the 40ist of 40s, but this was the Tacos Fast 40. And I'll try and catch you guys more often. Uh, getting back from some some sicknesses recently. Uh, it's kind of kept me from doing some pause, but definitely going to try to do these more often. I will catch you guys later, and good luck at the race this Sunday.